The following is a Frank R. Wilson presentation. Welcome to where we celebrate music from the movies. From the golden age to present day, we've got it covered. We talk to those from the industry and learn about them and their favorite scores. Welcome to What's the Score? I'm your host, Frank R. Wilson. So let's take a look at the shelf of CDs and see what we're going to play today. Recognize that music? It's a favorite of our guest today. Now, in his normal life, he's a qualified jeweler, but in a secret life, he's a longtime collector of soundtracks, a very passionate co collector of soundtracks. Most notably, you might say that he's a uh, uh, most uh, best known as being a co-presenter of a hugely popular podcast called James Bond Radio. We'll learn about all these different things today. Uh, as we go through the program, but for now, please join me in welcoming Brian Dobson to the program. Hi, Brian. Well, thank you very much, Frank. Uh, I, I'm hardly recognized myself with that introduction. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, you you sent me twenty twenty quid to you know say it that way. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, we we appreciate you taking time to be with us today. I I love your list because it's um, quite diverse. So I think we'll have some fun today, and our listeners will as well. Um, as we usually do in our programs, when we have a guest, we like to learn a little bit about them outside of, um, you know, their connection to the entertainment industry and outside of soundtracks. So if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself growing up and, you know, what you do uh, outside of, uh, the James Bond stuff and outside of soundtracks. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, going back to when I was a child, um, I grew up in the northeast of England uh, in a place called Durham, uh, and then um, you know I spent the my my, my early years um, becoming a, fascinated by the soundtracks of not just Bond, which obviously I became fairly uh, heavily invested in over time, but also um, a huge amount of variety of film music and. In instrumentals, I was particularly more keen on at the time than I was on, um, you know, uh, vocal pieces. Um, I then moved further uh, south uh, when I was in my kind of late teens, early 20s, uh, pursued my current career um, in the jewelry business, which has subsequently diversified into the watch uh, business. But it, it's it, it's largely largely the same. Um I to sort of talk about myself now, obviously, I'm a big collector of soundtracks. Um, I'm passionate on, on, on all things Bond. Um, I 
like to sort of keep myself uh, reasonably fit of late. I've been doing quite a lot of running. Um, I play I play game ball. Uh, well, it's 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 less popular over the US, but in the UK of uh, snooker, a little bit like pool billiards. Right. I was going to bring uh, that up in a little bit, and uh, so maybe we can save that because I do want to ask you about that. I noticed yeah, that sure. you shared that with me. So. Well, it sounds like you have, you know, very diverse interests. And in fact, I'm going to be interested in learning more about uh, what your work is as a jeweler as well, because I'd like to learn more about that. But why don't we, because uh, you've got a lot of good uh, cues to choose from today. Why don't we just go ahead and dive into one of those then? Um, Absolutely. Uh, the first one you chose is 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 great. And, 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 and I hear that a lot of audiophiles love this recording. We're talking about uh, the, the, spoof in 1967 of James Bond called uh, Casino Royale, uh, performed by Herb Albert. Um, tell us a little bit about why that made your uh, list of favorites. Well, a, a very interesting story there is my first soundtrack album that I ever purchased or was ever bought for me was a, uh, a musical Bond collection by Jeff Love and his orchestra called Big Bond Movie Themes. Hmm. And I and I received that probably uh, I don't know 1976 1977 around about that sort of time. Didn't realise that there was quite so many Bond films in the canon then because I was just just a, a young kid just getting really into it and was mystified by all these uh, movie titles. Um, and then uh, I re I realised some of them were official productions and I saw one called Casino Royale. I thought I've never even heard of that. Um, and I, I played the, the cue at the time, obviously not the, not the original piece, but the, the, the cue that was done at the time. And I thought this is really kind of jaunty, kind of lively, kind of upbeat. Uh, obviously hadn't at that, at that stage listened to the soundtrack and, uh, because it was on this particular album, uh, I kind of absolutely played this album to death, uh, from, from, <laughs> from the James Bond theme right up to, I think the final track on that album was the man with the golden gun so that that that, that tells you the, the sort of time period that came out okay I, 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 and um i just particularly like this casino royale even though i couldn't find it uh as a as a mainstream um uh bond film obviously i realize why now uh, i didn't realize at the time but i just liked the style of it it was kind of upbeat it was it was it was chirpy. It was it was it was relaxed and and yeah, I just just played it to death really. Yeah, and like I said, it's really interesting that apparently a lot of audiophiles love this recording. There was something exceptional uh, in the recording of this whole soundtrack that uh, made the sound on it just terrific. And hopefully that'll come through when we play it here. Let's uh, let's hear it for ourselves. This is the uh, the main theme from the 1967 film Casino Royale. It's uh, written, as I recall, by Burt Bacharach and performed by Herb Albert.
You mentioned the fact that you uh, are a, a qualified jeweler and then gotten into, and that's somehow translated into watches. Help me understand that a little bit. Um, well, <laughs> this is just because I don't know what. What does a qualified jeweler do? I mean, what is it that you actually do? Do you design and put together jewelry, or is it you just sell it and, and maybe occasionally repair it and clean it, or just kind of give me a sense of what what you do yeah. in that kind of work? It's been very wide-ranging over the years, but uh, it really started out when uh, I was late teens, uh, early 20s, and uh, took a job at a local jewelry store. And um, my sort of remit was looking after the the watch side of things. Uh, And gradually, I I basically took this position, didn't really know where it was going to go. I thought it may just end up being a a casual job until I decided really what I wanted to do. Uh, And then I found out that I, there was quite a lot to learn. Um, Obviously diamond qualities, cuts, um, the repair side, gold, silver, uh, giftware. Uh, There's a huge spectrum to kind of, understand and uh, and i realized that there was a lot more to this than than meets the eye mm-hmm. um and uh i basically kind of managed to learn 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 the business effectively as a as a as a beginner and then there was some um actually sort of professional qualifications that i was allowed to study as part of my um my learning on the job as it were and I just found it kind of snowballed, really. And then I, I kind of learned a little bit more about the, the about the craft, about the industry, about, um, uh, you know, what's good, what's not good and, and, and everything in between. And then it really just it just kind of diversified into doing doing other positions, but always or usually always within the within the industry. Well, so, so do you actually design pieces? I have done. I have uh-huh. done in the past, but it, 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 it's probably not um, my, my particular forte these days. But I, I did did do that at one stage. Yes. Do you do you find yourself sometimes when you're uh, when you see people uh, in your life or or you're watching a film or something and you can I mean, do you, do you have a tendency to look at the jewelry and make a judgment on it or anything? Yeah. Like that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and obviously. Um, you know, it uh, has featured in, in, in Bond over the years, uh, mm. both in, you know, in, in, uh, in pieces worn and, uh, you know, um, Vespa's necklace, obviously, we'll maybe uh, come to that. And so, so, so I think it's, it, it, it's uh, yeah, I, I do tend to look out for it more and I can notice when there's a particularly nice piece or, or, or yeah. And it's interesting, too. They don't, uh, you know, they don't use fake stuff in the movies i mean even though they could probably get away with it uh, yeah they're using the yeah. real deal you know when it comes to diamonds and gold and things like that it's uh it's quite amazing yeah absolutely and i think uh that can that can show obviously on the big screen uh because you, you get a certain light refract light refraction with really using real diamonds than you would with a um huh. okay. the, like a like a uh a simulant if you like yeah Okay. Okay. The um, the next year you chose was by a composer that I uh, actually rather like, although I don't have a lot of his stuff. But I'm uh, I'm not familiar with this particular one, so I'm anxious to hear it and hear your thoughts on it. I'm talking about a film called Get Carter, and the composer is Roy Budd. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, how that made your list of favorites. 
Oh, that again, that goes back a, a long, a long time. Um, uh, th- this has this particular film has a lot of resonance for me. Um, it's set actually where I grew up uh, around the northeast, uh, in particular Newcastle upon Tyne. And the, the, basically, the story uh, evolves around Michael Caine, uh, who is um, basically visiting um, the northeast to to try and track down his brother has been killed recently, and he's trying to track. Um, who the actual killer is and um, the, the it resonates the story because it's a lot of it is filmed a, a, in various places I grew up in that I, I recognize the the locations obviously uh, many of them have changed today from when the film was originally released mm-hmm. back in back in 71 but a lot of the locations are still today uh, the same um, and Roy it, Budd is is uh, Roy Budd is he's English I take it yeah, yeah, that's right, and he's he's done a few other uh, film scores. There's, there's there's another one that I'm particularly keen on, but I remember seeing this the, the, this film arguably when I was probably too young to watch it, and mm-hmm. uh, and it, it just it just grabbed me. Um, the the style of it, the pace of it, it, it it's quite dark, it's quite moody, but but one thing that struck me straight straight away from the get go was this unique sound at the beginning of the film and, and and basically he's on a he's on a train visiting uh the the northeast of england from london and this cue is played throughout the train train journey and i i just think it's a fascinating piece okay well let's let's uh whetted our appetite enough there let's have a listen to this this is from the film get carter and it's written by composer roy budd
you have a a really diverse list of uh, of cues that you've chosen, and I do notice that most of them are uh, they're not necessarily current films or current composers. So you uh, prefer looks like from what I can tell, like from the 70s and the 80s, things like that. Tell me tell me a little bit about um, do you have any favorite composers that you like? I mean, because it's you've got a wide variety of different sounds here. So I'm kind of curious. Are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Yeah, well, that's a that's a good question, Frank. And uh, yeah, thank you for that. I, I um, yes, I think generally speaking, they're they're certainly more seventies, eighties, maybe a little bit of nineties. But uh, the, the 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 king of composers for me personally would be John Barry. I listen to a lot of John Barry. Uh, I think, but both his Bond work and non-Bond work, uh, I think it's quite extraordinary. Uh, that is really where I would certainly gravitate to. But there's obviously been a, lots of different other composers in, in the mix of that. But the, certainly, the, certainly he would be my favourite. Well, what would be like uh, your your top three or top five? Then I'm just kind of curious. Um, what if composers or, or actual yeah. soundtracks? Yeah, composers. Yeah. Um, I, I would say um, well, certainly John Barry. Um, certainly from modern day, it would be David Arnold. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, Jerry Goldsmith would be uh, would be very high on my list. Uh, Ennio Morricone, I think, is uh, terrific, and um, and 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 obviously Mr. Star Wars, John Williams. Uh, <laughs> I think he, I think uh, he's done some terrific stuff over the years. Yeah, and, that's that's uh, a great list. Mm. And and really. Um... Well, I, you know, I mean, I, they don't have a consistent, there's not a consistency amongst them. Uh, they do have their own styles and those sorts of things. So it's, uh, you showed diversity just in that uh, list in itself. And talking about diversity, this next cue that you chose was fascinated me because I'm, I'm not a particular fan of it, but I'm willing to give it a try here. We're talking about a film called Flash Gordon. Uh, you chose the battle theme, which is, I guess, written and performed by Queen, right? Yeah. Well, tell, again, tell us a little bit about how that made your list, because that's yeah, really different than everything else you've been talking about. Yeah, it is. And I really felt I had to include it. Um, growing up, uh, I think everybody has their uh, unique favorite um, uh, you know, artist or group or band or whatever. Mine mm-hmm. was always mine was always Queen. Okay. Uh, I thought I thought they were very very um, diverse in uh, I guess I guess which is a little bit like my list today really but they were they were all always diverse from um, uh, softer ballads to much harder rock and um, I, I followed their career um, th- you know th- th- throughout the seventies and eighties and um, I really feel that I couldn't have made a list like I have today without including Queen. And one one of again, one of my early soundtracks that I purchased was the, 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 this particular movie, uh, a Flash Gordon. And, and, and it, it's it's very unique in style. It's very, very different. There's lots of different particular um, cues on that on that album. Uh, and it was very, very difficult to pick one. Um, the, the, the vocal arrangement of this is called The Hero. But the instrumental version is called the battle theme. And this, again, this particular soundtrack was just something that I purchased back in the day. I was probably nine or ten or something like that when this Mm -hmm. came out. 
and I and I bought it on a cassette at the time, and I just I just played the life out of it. I just <laughs> thought it was I just thought it was quite unique. So I really couldn't put this list together without mentioning or t- you know tipping my my hat to Queen. Okay, well let's have a listen for ourselves. This is again from the film Flash Gordon. The cue is called Battle Theme, and it's written and performed by Queen. mentioned earlier about uh, uh, snooker and i've uh, i've always thought i understand it and then i'll end up seeing it on television and i say no i guess i don't understand it and you seem to be quite an accomplished uh, snooker player uh, talk to me a little bit about that how did how did you get interested in that and then uh, after that if we could if you could help those of us who aren't as familiar i mean we know i know billiards i know, know pool that kind of stuff but if you can also kind of help sure. us understand, what's the difference between snooker and, and more standard games that most of us know? Yeah, um, st- snooker is a little bit more, I think it's a little bit more complex. Uh, it's a little bit, um, it's often been described as, as chess with balls. <laughs> oh, it's, okay. It, it's, it's a little bit more um, thought-provoking, I think. Um, it, it is obviously played on a what would be a, a pool table or a billiard table um there's there's a there's a, obviously a, there's a lot more v- maybe variety in it because there, there's so many different combinations of different shots or sequences of shots but but essentially um 
that 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 kind of started back in um again round about the same time as as the flash gordon thing really to be honest um i, I kind of came across that on tv and um it was it was quite new at the time because it was a snooker was something which was originally devised uh, not the game but the trans the um tv uh was basically brought in when color television started to become popular mm-hmm. and uh the executives of some of the uh uk tv programs wanted something which was quite colorful and um started to broadcast snooker because it was diverse with lots of different colored colored balls you see played on a obviously a green table and then that that was basically the how how that how it became popular i started to watch it i was and i was kind of fascinated by it and i just thought this is this is this is quite unique and um i progressed to my parents buying me like a half-size table which which you could fit into like a a living room or a, a um dining room kind of thing and uh i just started to play it started to become of a reasonably good standard at it um certainly uh, i did kind of like local competitions growing up and um sort of won a few competitions with it um and uh and i i just was fascinated not not only with the professional game which was very very big in the uk it was Possibly less so in other parts of the of the world, although it has expanded a little bit since. That was going to be uh, my next question because I mean I, I thought it was largely really just something that that took place in the UK, but you are seeing growth internationally as well. Oh, absolutely! It, it, it's um it, it's huge in China uh, at the hmm. moment, uh, very very big in the Far East. Uh, it, it's it's certainly spread uh, throughout Europe now. And um, I, I, there's kind of maybe possibly one area where it hasn't really progressed is possibly in in the US, okay. but um, but it, but it's also quite big in Canada. So uh, the, the, there is there is there is pockets of um, no pun intended of uh, of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of of kind of growth in various places. Okay, okay. Going back to. Um... Going back to to music, you the next one that you chose is a is a favorite of mine as well. Uh, we're talking about Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan, which, if memory serves, was the second film that came out. I think. Yeah. Uh, I believe this is the main theme that you had chosen from it, written by James Horner. Uh, tell us a little bit about how how was it that made your list of favorites? Yeah. Well, um, growing up, um, both my father and myself were very very uh, keen Star Trek fans, especially of, of the original series, and um, you know I, I grew up grew up watching a lot of the old Star Treks, and um, then when uh, when the Star Trek the original motion picture uh, came out, I, I think I was possibly a little bit young to kind of maybe grasp it or understand it, and uh, and then when uh, the second film came out, um, I just remember. Um, it's, very much it's a case of, of, of reminiscing at the time and i just i i listened to the music of that I, I bought the soundtrack before i actually saw the film and i just it was just just blew me away because i just thought it was it was so uh, unique and um orchestral uh, and uh, it just it just resonated with me and um subsequently to this day it is by far and away my favorite star trek film and i yeah. can 
and I and I can I can watch that literally over and over and over again, and 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 the cue the cues throughout that are, are really really strong, but um that the, the main theme or, or or the end theme on on this is is just particularly uh it just it just does something to me. I re- it really really gets the blood pumping a bit. Yeah, I you know and I recall too um the the first Star Trek came out other other than the score which I loved. I, the movie didn't really work for me that well, and I was really kind of concerned when they, the new one was coming out, and I said, oh, geez, I hope they don't mess it up this time. And it it was terrific. I loved the second one. And yeah. uh, and kind of like you, I, I might say that might be, I don't know if it's my number one favorite, but it's certainly up there. So now let's have a listen to this. This is the main theme I think you chose, correct? Yeah, that, that's, okay. that's the one, yeah. The main theme from Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan, and it's written by James Horner. Starship 
your prize. Your ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life forms and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before.
Before we continue with our guest, I wanted to let you know about a new way you can support the program. In conjunction with a company called Patreon, I'm creating a membership model for the podcast. Now, first of all, it'll always be free to listen to, so nothing about that changes. But I have set up a way that you can uh, join as a member of our club, so to speak, and at different levels, hopefully very reasonably priced for you. And to think of it as a as a tip in the tip jar. If you like what you hear, if you're uh, enjoying it and want it, want it to continue, a little tip in the tip jar is what we're hoping and asking for. Now, you can visit our Facebook page for more details, or you can visit patreon.com, and that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash what's the score. That's all one word, what's the score. Uh, check it out and see if it's something that you're uh, willing to do. And as always, we appreciate uh, all of our listeners for their support of the program. Now we'll get back to our guest and more great movie music. I see here in your notes that you were kind enough to share with me that you uh, had the opportunity to, to live in some different places that are a little different, like Portugal. And I, and I, I think you said Nassau as well, which I'm assuming is the Bahamas. Um, yeah, that's right. Ted, tell us a little bit of that. That's, that's kind of a unique experience. A lot of people have the, the benefit of being able to travel the world and, and yeah, that's great in its own right, but to actually live and absorb yourself into the culture of other countries, I think is even more fascinating. Tell us a little bit about what that experience was like. Yeah, that that was fascinating. Um, I, I again, that was that was actually a position through my jewelry work, and um, I uh, got offered, or uh, sorry, I, I actually saw a job advert for working uh, for a company um, selling jewelry in the uh, in the Caribbean, and I thought well, it almost sounds sounds a little bit too good to be true. <laughs> uh, and I thought, uh, you know, that especially with my my love of Bond, I just thought that that would be such a um, a unique opportunity to travel to places which were quite unique, quite special. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just before that came up, I I took a job on a cruise liner, and that cruise liner was going throughout the. Uh, kind of uh, the, the, the Caribbean, um, various places in the U.S., um, uh, Alaska, all, all kinds of places. And, oh, and, wow. and, and and basically it was a case of waking, literally, literally you would wake up the next day and you were in a completely different, um, uh, you know, uh, city, uh, country. And I just found it quite fascinating. And then that what, what did you do? What did you do on a cruise ship then? I mean, you didn't like design or sell jewelry, did you? Or would, would you believe it? Yes. I did. Really? That's ex- yeah. That's exactly what I did. Uh, and it, it, it was, you know, very, very similar to working in a, in a, in a, in a, obviously any kind of high street shopping mall store, but it was just, uh, the fact that when the ship was docked in port, you had a, a, a free time to really explore the island, mm-hmm. so so I managed to clock up a little bit of time, I suppose, uh, visiting places that I hadn't ever seen before and possibly will not go to again. So that 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 was quite unique. And um, the 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 this particular position uh, I was I was offered 
was based uh, in, in Nassau, and and obviously with uh, my uh, Thunderball interest, as, sure. as well as as well as the interest I had, um, obviously from the um, my employment, was uh, I just obviously couldn't say no. It was too good to be true, really, and. Um, <laughs> And uh, I went over there uh, for about a week or 10 days just to sort of um, see if this was for me, see if, if I really was going to enjoy it. Uh, and th- th- there was just so much um, to take in in terms of the culture change, um, different ways of working, uh, uh, the climate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, sure. That I, I came back to the UK, thought about it, and thought, well, you know, it, it's it's too good an opportunity. So, so uh, I I lived there um, for a, for a good period of time, and obviously managed to do a little bit of uh, diving and snorkeling, and kind of <laughs> live a little bit of the the Bond lifestyle, and also kind of. Um, just uh, taking the the, the uh, locations used in Thunderball and Never Seen Ever Again and and uh, yeah, f- fascinating. Wow, and and you mentioned Portugal as well. Was that a, kind of a similar situation where it was it was work related that you ended yeah, up getting there? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, that was a work related position, and there was a position in the the Algarve in southern Portugal, and I, I lived there for, for about a year, for twelve months. And uh, and that that was that was a k- kind of a similar a situation where it was just um, it 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 was not without its difficulties because obviously the the the, the sort of language barrier and way of life was kind of different. It's it's very very different to going away on a on a holiday or a vacation because uh, you have to get used to um, I suppose different lifestyle. Um, but uh, but again, that that was that was fascinating, and it just it, it's it, to this to this day, my kind of love love of travel is still very very uh, very very prevalent. Yeah, from your list, I can tell that you seem to have a uh, a real affinity for uh, science fiction. Uh, one of the next cues that you uh, chose was is called the Battle in the Snow. This comes from a film, The Empire Strikes Back. Everybody knows what that film is and who wrote that. Tell us a little bit about. How it was that that made your list of favorites? Yeah, well, uh, again, um, growing up, um, I, I was always a Star Wars fan, but I was never a huge Star Wars fan because um, back in the day, uh, my father took me to see The Spy Who Loved Me uh, back in 77 when Star Wars came out. And uh, mm. a lot of my peer group at the time were very, very into Star Wars and collecting the figures and the um you, you know the, the the paraphernalia that went through it but for me it was more bond that resonated um a- anyway i i did enjoy the original star wars of course i did but uh, when it got to the empire strikes back i just uh, my level of interest really uh massively increased because i just much much preferred the style of that film um again very very similar uh time is i Bought, bought the the album, listened to the album, and was 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 blown away with the actual um, the the pace and the style of it. And even though the Star Wars theme is obviously universally known, and I guess the Darth Vader's theme, the Imperial March, is very very uh, high on people's list as well. But the 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 track that resonated with with me most was the very very last track on that Empire Strikes Back album. Hmm. And it was just the kind of sense of uh, danger and, and attack, which is used from the beginning of the film. 
Okay. Well, let's have a listen for ourselves. This uh, cue is called The Battle in the Snow. It's from the film The Empire Strikes Back, and it's written, of course, by the maestro John Williams. you we mentioned the fact that you're a, a co-presenter on james bond radio could you 
tell us a little bit about uh, you know how that came about and uh, and just what exactly is James Bond Radio? Sure. Well, um, James Bond Radio is such a, a, a strong force within the James Bond community po- mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, and it's it's brought together so many people who, who share the same common bond, dare I say the cue. And uh, <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's just um, it, it's basically was uh, set up by a couple of guys, uh, Tom and Chris, who um, were basically very, very big bond aficionados. But it's grown into something a lot more than that. And it's grown into a, a, a community, a community of people, of like minded people. And I'm very sort of honored and privileged that i've got a lot of close friends uh through james bond radio and it's become a very very big part of my life and um we we have regular kind of meetups where we sort of discuss the bond uh universe and obviously and and also go to various locations that we used within the films which is uh, which has brought a lot of um certainly a lot of enjoyment to my life and and i know to a lot of other people's and the various people that that has been brought together through James Bond Radio, we, we formed some very uh, close friendships, and uh, it's just been a, a kind of a, just a celebration and a love of all of all things James Bond. Yeah, yeah. So, but, and how was it that you got uh, connected with it then? Because you yeah, were part of the original group that did it, I guess. No, right? no, no, not at all. I, I, I actually just I was just a fan, and and still am to to this day. And uh, I just I I'll tell exactly what happened is I was <laughs> dr- driving one day in the car and I suddenly thought to myself, I wonder if there's such a thing as a James Bond podcast. I, I, I assume that's rather niche and it's rather specialist. There probably won't be, but I'll I'll, I'll have a I'll have a, um, a, a a flick and see if I can find anything. Sure enough, I found this particular podcast called James Bond Radio. It was one of the very very early editions, maybe episode one or two. I, I managed to catch it in its wow. infancy. In, in its infancy, mm-hmm. um, I played it and I thought. These two guys who presented have a real good chemistry together, and um, but not only that, but I, I was learning, and 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 I, and I felt straight away that there was a huge affinity with this, and I also also thought the people who they had on and who were interviewing and what they what they were talking about was just just sort of struck a chord with me that I thought I'd like to be part of this. Um, so there was very various Facebook um, chats and various kind of, as I say, meetups, uh, and it's just it's something which has snowballed, and it, and it's uh, to a degree where everybody is very passionate about it, and uh, I, I sort of managed to look after some of their social media output uh, oh, okay. as time as time had gone on, uh, and then um, we decided to have a little bit of a shakeup of the formula and they wanted to sort of try something new and have various different um, maybe group kind of presentations or, or different styles where uh, two or three people would do like a round table kind of podcast mm-hmm. or, or, or maybe uh, you know, one person would do a different podcast uh, of a special, of a specialism within the bond world that was unique to them. Uh, I said I would be interested, and um, and and uh, Tom Sears, who 
co-presents that was 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 keen enough to sort of work with me on it. But but mm. but I, I think that the most important thing with it is 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 the unique friendships that it that it's brought. Yeah, yeah, I, and I would agree. I mean, that's uh, I've been overwhelmed by the uh, first of all finding out that there were so many different pot and there are there's a lot of podcasts uh, out there now on the James Bond phenomenon, and that was that's been a real joy to discover. And uh, and as a result, uh, I've I've made a lot of friends that I've never met in person before, but yeah. I still feel like we're very close friends. It's uh, it's it's mind boggling the way it uh, the way it works. But uh, I'm glad you're a part of it. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about about that as we when we wrap things up. But it's a good segue to your next cue, which uh, happens to be from a Bond film. In fact, the only one that you could say it was a little bit of science fiction, although I can remember Cubby Broccoli saying hey, it's science fact. Um, uh, we're talking about the film Moonraker. The cue is called Flight into Space, written, of course, by uh, by John Barry. How did that? How did that's a rather long cue? And uh, well, just tell us a little bit about how it made uh, your list of favorites. Yeah, it's it, you know, it's that is probably the hardest one of the hardest decisions in compiling uh, this list of music because John Barry for me is is is, is as I say the king and. I, I could have given you a cue from every single film he, he, he's done, to be honest. And uh, I thought it would be good maybe just to obviously try and try and narrow it down to one. Um, a Thunderball uh, soundtrack is very, very uh, high on my list, as is on a Majesty's Secret Service. Um, but I think if I had to pick one, and it, uh, it's almost, you know, it's a very, very difficult decision. But if I had to pick up with, with one, I'm particularly keen on the moonraker soundtrack even though hmm. it's a little bit um uh maybe unexpanded i think i, I think that it's 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 a sh- fairly short soundtrack um but there's so much music on there which is very very grand very very majestic um some of it almost not even quite bond like um but the the i remember back in the day actually you know obviously seeing moonraker and and, and just being mesmerized with the score but uh, the, the, there's there's three or four cues on that particular soundtrack which I love. But if I had to pick one of them, I think that the, there's a there's a John Barry always seems to capture um, the mood rather well. And I think this, as it's as the title suggests, flight into space captures that very very well. Yeah, for longtime listeners of the program, you may recall that I have an episode. And if you haven't heard it before, I would encourage you to look it up. I have an episode where I actually conducted a, a short interview with John Barry many, many years ago as, yes, a, I, as a young 20 something. And, and, uh, uh, one of the things he mentioned was that he, he particularly liked the mu- the space music as he called it in Moonraker. So it's actually amongst some of his favorites as well. So, uh, let's have a listen to this. This is again from the film Moonraker. The cue is called flight into space and it's written by the maestro John Barry.
So what are your thoughts, uh, yeah, just for people that might be listening to this uh, at a different time of year, uh, we're taping this as the, um, well, the coronavirus has still got a hold on society, and it, it actually had delayed the uh, the opening of a lot of films, not uh, not the least of which was uh, the new Bond film, No Time to Die. Do you, um, what are your thoughts on that? Was that I, it, it looks to me in retrospect to probably have been a, a good call, you think? Yeah, I, I totally and uh, utterly agree with you, Frank. Uh, I think at, at the time um, when I first heard the news, I was absolutely devastated because I thought there's so much um, uh, planning uh, and level of oh, uh, yeah. anticip- anticipation ready for the new film. I mean, there the always is surrounding a new Bond release, but especially now with um, the fact that the film has been delayed multiple times. And... Um, the the fact we've obviously had to wait five years since the previous installment as well and uh, so i i'd really geared myself up for this uh april release i know uh, a few of my uh friends within the bond community were all uh, uh waiting for that moment as well and um and when i first heard about heard of the the reason why the, the film was delayed um it's just amazing what a difference a few weeks makes. I thought it doesn't really seem a strong enough reason. Um, and then obviously where we are now uh, is very, very uh, concerning from a, from a, um, a health point of view. And um, I, obviously it was totally and utterly the right choice. Um, but... Yeah. I don't, I don't buy this talk about the, this was an excuse for them to do some reshoots and, and uh, you know no. that the the test screenings went bad. I just I just think that's crazy, and that's no, one of the no, things no. that's actually pretty crazy about life these days. Is you get a lot of these like you get a lot of misinformation that gets oh, yeah. spread around as fact, and it's a uh, it's it's very yeah, frustrating well, sometimes. Well, the, the, um, the internet is full of it, isn't it? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you chose a real a classic um, score from a, a western that I, I think you could say is, you know, near the top of anybody's list. Uh, the film is A Fistful of Dollars, written by Ennio Morricone. Uh, tell us how it was that that, uh, that was to make your, your list of favorites. Um, very, very similar to my original uh, big, big Bond movie themes. I had, a, I had an album um, by Jeff Love and his orchestra at the time, back in the, back in the 70s, which, had a, which featured various... Um, westerns uh, western themes and and again i like that i like them all the, there was there was some such strong music um um and i, I just came across a fistful of dollars i hadn't seen I, I must admit i hadn't seen the film at that stage but i was just playing the playing this particular soundtrack in the order that it came out and i heard this piece of music and i thought oh that is so distinctive that is so unique and, I, and and again, I just I played that cue over and over again, long, long before I actually ever saw the film. <laughs> and uh, I, I, and uh, I was just I was just I, I couldn't quite imagine what the scenes were that 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 went with that music or, or, or why that was chosen. But I just thought it was quite unique and uh, and, and still do to this day. Yeah. And you think about it. I mean, some of the uh, the, the films in this time period that Morricone did, he, he really established he established the, the the Western sound or the Western style of doing a score, much like Barry created the Sounder style for a, a Bond oh, totally. uh, score. And uh, yeah. there were a lot of people that I, I, you know, you've noticed in other Westerns that 
sometimes go back to what Morricone had written and, and kind of pay homage to him. Let's um, let's have a listen to this. This uh, this is the main theme. I take it. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The the main theme from the film A Fistful of Dollars, written by one of the most prolific composers of all time, uh, Ennio Morricone. What's in your future uh, right now? And, uh, you know, just in general, you, where's James Bond radio going? Uh, you know, what's what's in your future as it, as it pertains to your your areas of interest? Yeah, well, that's a that's a very, very good question, because um, as you were saying earlier, the the as it stands currently, the uh, the coronavirus is is uh, grabbed a hold of society where we, 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 we none of us are quite sure. Uh, where, where things are heading um i would obviously like to contribute as much as i can on on, on the on the in the bond world 
Um, and I think at the moment it, it really is literally just taking taking one day at a time, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. But I mean, will you be on future uh, episodes of James Bond Radio? Is that how you? Well, I, well, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. <laughs> yes. And, and uh, you know, I I, I enjoy uh, the, the world of Bond. I enjoy the world of podcasting. Um, I'm very, very grateful to be on your program right now. And I, I think um, I'd certainly certainly like to do a bit more of it for sure. Oh, well, I, I appreciate that. And in fact, that's a, a great way to kind of wrap things up for today. I uh, I can't thank you enough for making time to uh, spend some time with us and put together this list and share it with us. It's some great music in there that I hope uh, our listeners enjoyed. I would, uh, again, just uh, extend my most heartfelt thanks for you joining us today. Brian. It's been an honor and a privilege, sir. Thank you very much. Thank oh, excellent. That does uh, wrap up things for us today. Once again, uh, if you enjoy the program, please consider becoming a patron. Uh, details about that can be found on our Facebook page. With that, there's uh, only one thing left to say, and that's simply this. My name is Frank R. Wilson. My time's up. I thank you for yours. Thanks for listening to What's the Score?